Hey, what's up? This is in Roadshows, episode 60, uh, coming to you hot. Um, we were concerned it was going to be another lean week where we wouldn't have a lot. And then, of course, at the last minute, um, found some things to talk about. Uh, some things I really do want to talk about, too, as we uh, move in. Um, I figured, though, uh, w- we did mention it in last episode, which I still need to uh, get out, but it'll be out by the time this one comes out, because that's how, you know, sequential ordering works. <laughs> um, we mentioned uh, the new Drake. He he dropped a new album. Yes. Um, I have no idea what I, you're going to talk about right now. I, <laughs> as far as I know, you have never listened to Drake. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little confused by what I've heard. Um, you're not the I only one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I knew he was like, he did this whole, you know, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, loquacious lover boy or whatever the hell he called himself. Certified lover um, boy. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and he's like the, he's the large poppy or whatever that whole shtick. Okay. Um, which I didn't really understand, but, um, maybe this, this is what I've heard is making more sense to me now. Um, and I know we're risking, we're risking a big, a big old, you know, whack from the YouTube and all the, all the, the sensors, and the copyright holders, but um, I, I think I think we need to give something a listen here, just to kind of maybe try to understand. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, hopefully, I have the right timestamp here. Now, is this going to need to be like? Is this going to end up sounding like death metal by the time it's posted on the show to avoid the copyrights? Were you were you like? Uh, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I guess we'll, it depends on how recognizable you you know like how Drake's voice is. You know, like Taylor Swift. You know, it's going to pick it up immediately. Right. I feel like Drake's like, in that same in that. Same yeah, ballpark. yeah, probably. Yeah. So I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna have to find out. Okay. Um, hopefully, this is the right timestamp for this. Um. Hey, hey, hey. He's in love with who I am. Back in high school, I used to jerk him with my hands. Now I hit that orgy sex with condoms in my hand. I did half a zan, now I'm pounding on my man's Had me out like a light, ay, uh, like a light, ay, uh, I didn't, like I didn't a light, think this was ay, the kind of material he covered. Ay, not for the night, 767, man, this shit got double wedgies, man I still got dick to settle, man, I smashed on the block Made a right, cut the lights, raped me twice Niggas stick up straight, it's on sight Nothing nice, booty looking right Jesus Christ, dicks over rice. That's what I like. That's what we like. Lost my respect. That booty wet. When I suck the cock, I get wetty with my neck. See the cock that huh. I took. That had me shook. Jerk is this a departure from his usual? Yeah, well, this this is not Drake, right? It's not. No one's seen him. Maybe. No, this isn't Drake singing. He's in love with who I am. Back in high school, I no? used to jerk him with my hands. I'm, now I hit that orgy sex with condoms in my hands. I'm fairly certain. I, I mean, I've listened to a lot of Drake, and this doesn't sound like him. Like a light, like a light, like a light, like a light. Like this a isn't light, Drake? Like no. A light, like a light, yeah. Passing cucks on steady, licking dicks and getting wise. Yeah, he said he got that booty lock. I know I booty. You're really letting this run. It's absolute. My booty loose. <laughs> we eat it too, yeah. We back on the dick, we ride that cock until we poo, yeah. Shorty in the back, he said his booty's like a new, hey, hey, what it look. It's fire, I'll give it that, but it's not Drake. <laughs> it's not Drake? No. Yeah, pass it to the homie, yeah, that penis was got me hooked. Baby daddy at my house, cut his baby mother shook, yeah. 
I was informed that was Drake. No, see, I feel like this, I have something here. I was going to save it for Mad Watch. Uh-huh. I feel like this is Drake. This is like just a sampling of his lyrics of on, on his new album. Okay. So, but, but so but before, before, before we move on, mm-hmm. that was not Drake. That was not Drake's new material. No. What, what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing? Where did you, like, what is that from? That's, uh, that's, uh, see, I was under the impression that that was Drake. Uh-huh. Because, because like you said, I haven't listened to him really. That explains it, yeah. And I heard that there was this new, um, Drake song called Dicko Mode. Oh, that was a depart- I see. That okay. was a departure from his, uh, previous material. So I gave it a listen. Wait, isn't, isn't, no, Sicko Mode, that's a Travis Scott song, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that must this be, a, is, that, is, that's a play on Travis Scott, not Drake. This is Dicko Mode. Right. Because, see, Drake had that line there, dicks over rice. Uh-huh. You, you see? What am I, what am I supposed to see? I don't know what, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new Drake. It's a surprise drop. He dropped it. Nobody was expecting it. Yeah. See, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought I thought we were actually going to talk about the new Drake in some capacity. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. But I should have expected. I, was, I, I should have expected you this. I was to, you thought I was going to listen to the new Drake? OK. Uh, but you have a TikTok here. Hold on. Well, no. See, um, I thought. OK. So I got this TikTok. And if you had listened to uh-huh. the new Drake, this would have been, I think, a lot funnier. Um, oh, OK. You could play it anyway, just in case anybody. Okay listening would appreciate it all right hold on this is uh by the way this is lonnie tunes on tiktok this is what yeah you know that you want to know that she thinks you know that you're on the phone that she thinks you know that she wants you to know that i want you to know yeah that's that's what he does well you know it's it's more similar than you would think um huh. now the thing about this new drake album i i do like it it's definitely not my favorite of his it's it's basically a house album mm. yeah there's really like just one drake's house drake's house yeah there's just um wasn't that an episode of atlanta probably drake's house anyway um yeah no this is like there's only like one track on the whole thing where he raps the rest is um just singing right and uh-huh. i don't know i feel like the lyrics are are lacking uh in in some in some areas like there is a lot of that like uh what you just heard going on just like a lot of fluff kind of yeah like some of it's really catchy and then some of it's just kind of like okay this feels like it was just thrown together Mm. um that said i'm still listening to it a lot so i don't know do you think he's gonna do like the kanye thing where he's like constantly patching his album no i don't think he'll go there Mm. okay I think once he drops an album, it's it's finished. I see. And it's like Kanye will announce his album before he's like recorded it. Right. And yeah. then he'll like delay it 50 times, whereas Drake will just release it out of nowhere. Right. right so, right. yeah. Um, I was, another thing I was going to say for for Mad Watch, but it fits here as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this uh, this video from uh, Bryce Nor, which we'll play here. Bryce Nor. Oh, I see that. The, I see that his name is Bryce. I didn't. I was only. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Senor. Senor Bryce. Um, no, I was only looking at the username, so. Right. We're off to a great start so, like, here. Does the radio stop when you get into a car accident? I'm wondering if the radio stays on when you get into a car accident. Right, if it's just- <laughs> it does, and it just plays great. So, like. <laughs> what? 
he's what's with, happening here drake's with you at your at your worst moments okay is that is that like the trend no this isn't a trend this was literally somebody asking that question and then they stitched it with this guy who's just filming a tiktok right after a car accident and the the radio's sure. on in the background uh-huh yeah it's really not funny when i have to explain yeah we can we can move on tiktok confuses me yeah that's that so much, much is clear <laughs> <laughs> Like, because I, I, I don't, I have to under, like, are these, I feel so old. Like, are these two dudes talking to each other? Like, I, oh my God. I have to, I have to, like, who's who? Well, Bryce Senor is one person. Yeah, but which one's Bryce? I feel like I have to shout. I feel like David Lynch. Bryce is seemingly the person who is not in the car accident. You're watching TikToks on the fucking phone. Ugh. What? That's the David Lynch. Oh, I mean, it just sounds like something you would say. So I don't, I don't know. I know that's what I said. I feel like David Lynch. Right well, there you now. go. <laughs> okay. All right. We should have had a guest this week. We should have. <laughs> we should have had somebody to save us from this. Uh, that's all the so Drake related stuff I have. I threw it all out there at once. I couldn't wait. So, so you didn't like Dicko mode? Well, it's, it's just, I don't. <laughs> I feel like you don't even get what it's doing. Like, because I think you have the wrong rapper. I was told it was Drake. By who? Comments. Okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe it is playing with a Drake song that I just can't remember right now. Oh, God. See, I texted you when I saw you had Drake in the show notes. I thought it was going to be about the squeaky bed frame. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's a song on his new album called uh, Currents, I believe. And the beat is basically just like a squeaky bed. Is this supposed to sound like somebody's fucking? Probably. I feel like that's okay. what they were going for. It is catchy. It is the, catchy, though. Because he's the momentous lover boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous to, for an adult to call himself. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a bit, you know, it's like a it's a persona. Speaking of persona, Spe- yeah, I laid that one out there for you. Uh, we got we got a deep dive uh, this week, and I found it last night, and I I couldn't believe that I found it because uh, of the method in which I found it. Um, so uh, I found this on Twitter. Um, there is a fanzine that uh, was in production and it was about to be released to their uh, Etsy pre-orders. And uh, they had 28,000 Canadian dollars, which I, I'm, I'd have to convert CAD to USD. If I was smart, I would have done this ahead of time. Okay, it's about 21,000 of uh, Yankee dollars. Um, they had 28,000 Canadians stolen by their head moderator. Um, and, uh, do you want to guess where they spent the money? Um, Soul Hackers 2 pre-orders. No, that's a very good guess though. (laughs) (laughs) They spent $28,000 on Genshin Impact. Yeah, that would have been my my second guess. (laughs) (laughs) They spent... A car's worth of money on Genshin Impact rolls. Gotcha. Um, and it's it's very funny. So I saw this on Twitter. They're like, uh, it's it was called the Showtime Zine. Um, and uh, Showtime is a mechanic in Persona Royal. Um, it's sort of like a follow up attack that you can do, and it, you, a little cutscene plays uh, between two characters. It's sort of like the combo system. You don't need to get um, into the nitty gritty. No, 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 no. I do, I do, <laughs> I do. I actually do. Okay. Because 
so it's like a combo system between two characters uh from it's it, it, it's it's following in the tradition of three and four that had like a similar combo system mm-hmm. in three it was a combo between two personas that you have um which was following up a system from persona two uh in four it's a follow-up between two characters um and it creates a combo attack and so they brought it back for royal it wasn't in the original persona five uh and it's called showtime and little cutscene plays and it's very elaborate and you get this whole flashy thing um, and it's called show. This zine is called Showtime because it's a slash fic zine uh, between the protagonist Joker and the character Akechi, who are uh, frequently paired together in fan fiction and fan content. Um, now, slash is is like uh, romance, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so when I saw this on Twitter, um, I was like, "Oh, it's a Showtime zine." And then it said a Joker slash Akechi fanfic, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking Persona." It's fucking Persona. Whenever, because I saw the thing, it was like, oh yeah, twenty thousand dollars in Zine funds stolen. I'm like, oh, that's pretty crazy. And then it's a fucking Persona Zine. <laughs> and 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 somebody on Twitter put, brought up a very good point. If you're raising close to thirty thousand dollars, can you really call it a Zine anymore? Why is there like? Does that like, imply that you're just like very obscure or? Yeah, usually like like a zine is like something you're like printing at home, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like stapled together. Sure. You go to Kink- you go to Kinko's, you know, it's like, well, I'm assuming this one was copies. digital. Uh, no, it was printed. Um, They were selling it on Etsy. Uh, and so uh, the other members uh, released a Google Doc uh, sort of explaining what happened, mm-hmm. including a TLDR, which is very funny to me, especially because this is actually not that long compared to other Google Docs of online bullshit controversies I've read. It's only uh, like a page and a half. Um, so the the head moderator, who they actually like kind of docs a little bit, just a little bit, uh, because they say questions regarding the misuse of Showtime's funds can be directed towards, and then they name the, the moderator that did it and their email address. Oh. <laughs> so like, hey, if you're pissed off about this, uh, here's their full name and email. Do you not, is, do you, do you find that problematic? I mean, it's not as bad as it could be, um... I don't know. Like, it seems like the, like the the rest of these people are like screwed too. Like, so this is the other problem with this is that like you always get a fucking contract. Yeah, right. You always get a contract, and these these people did not work with contracts at all. They had no contracts in place. Um, and it turns out that this this person that stole the money, uh, they since they started it, uh, under like Canadian law, which is kind of similar to how our shit works. They were considered the sole proprietor. Um, so legally, they could do anything with those funds. Oh, man. And they did. So, <laughs> and they did. And they were just pumping the gotcha machine. Well, what kind of what kind um, of uh, polls did they get? You know, we don't know. They deleted their Twitter account. <laughs> Would you believe it? Yeah, shocker. Um, so they they did apparently return 3,000 Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, they had to take a loan in order to do that. And twenty four thousand remains gone. Um, they say that they're obviously uh, have no longer have any affiliation with the project and no longer has any accounts with their, or any ties to the funds. Um, they were able to ship. Hold on, uh, eight hundred and five of the pre orders, but there are seven hundred sixty three that are unfulfilled. Um, uh, and they currently have no postage funds and cannot ship any pre orders. The, the remaining. Um, they had a reprint that was, uh, ordered, paid for and in production, but I guess they can't ship it. Um, they have somebody else in, now in charge of the finances. <laughs> um, 
What finance? I, I, I the lack thereof, I guess. Um, there was something else. I do think uh, Genshin developers were able to greenlight a, a brand new expansion with their. Uh, oh, you know it. You know it. With um, their uh, oh, new funds. Yeah, here's here's a great point. Uh, we cannot offer refunds for Etsy pre-orders. Any refunds requests we will receive will be redirected to the person who stole the funds, and they also drop their email yet again. Oh. <laughs> Which, on one hand, is like, yeah, this is the person responsible. On the other, it's like kind of passing the buck. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you want a refund? Oh, well, uh, here's somebody else that is also not going to do anything about it. Yeah, they're they just money. clearly so pissed at this person. <laughs> right. Yeah. As they should um, be. But, I, you know, I don't mean to. I'm definitely not trying to make light of this, but um, a comparison. It's very funny. No, no it is. Funny. It is funny. Uh, but a comparison that I might I might be off base here, but like. You know how like somebody who has a like a drug addiction will end up in a situation where they're stealing money, you know, mm-hmm. just to um, be able to, you know, afford to get their next. Yeah. Yeah. It, do you think this person had like an addiction to like the gotcha video game and like. Oh, without gambling? a doubt. Yeah. You, you, you don't you don't drop thirty thousand dollars <laughs> on gotcha without having a problem yeah oh yeah oh yeah uh-huh yeah does thirty thousand uh, dollars not get you everything that exists in the game i have no clue i would hope it does i have no idea i have no idea um but at that point you might be like so deep you're like making multiple accounts mm-hmm. and shit you yeah. know like you, you you might just be so far gone or you might be playing Diablo Immortal. did you see that shit i saw it got like did it get removed from one of the platforms uh, no, it's illegal in the Netherlands and another Nordic country. Belgium, maybe? Oh, for gambling? Yeah, they were just like, nah, you can't. You, this is fucking messed up. Like, it, it does not comply with their... Like, you can't even do loot boxes in those countries. Um, so, yeah, it's it's so far gone. Uh, like, there was a streamer who's actually very an obnoxious streamer because uh, he tried 14 whenever 14 was, like, popping off. Um, he spent $15,000 to try to get, like, uh, a five-star item, and it's it took that amount of money to get it. Wow. And, like, three weeks to get it. Man. It's, like, that rare through rolls and shit. Um, and... What the gross thing about that is like people like and then he deleted his character after he got it and people like, oh, yeah, that's a real fuck you. Yeah, right. They've already got the money. I'm like, what are you talking about? They they suckered fifteen thousand dollars off of him. (laughs) He deleted his character. Big deal. They got his fucking money. Yeah, they got 15 grand. No refunds. No refunds. And he was advertising their game. Even if he was shitting on it the whole time, he was still advertising it Mm -hmm. by streaming all his fucking roles like no but anyway uh yeah no it's it's a huge problem those games are so fucking predatory um and so yeah if you have like a, an actual literal genetic predilection towards gambling <laughs> you can get suckered into that and end up in a scenario where you're stealing money from your workplace ostensibly uh to pay for it um yeah and you you have to think that this person, uh, you know, being a moderator for this fairly niche thing, mm-hmm. they have a real passion for it, right? Yeah. So I don't think they're going into it with malicious intent to like screw over all of their, uh, you know, peers who enjoy the same thing as they do. Like it's, it, it has to really be like, I have, I genuinely have a bit of sympathy for this person, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do obviously have more sympathy for the other people that. Oh, absolutely. F- fucked out of this yeah um but yeah the, the another uh person that was working on this tweeted um for everyone saying that we should have vetted the the thief better 
uh, she's the one who started the zine and also had a history of, quote, successfully modding five plus other fanzines. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't stress enough that this is no one's fault but the thieves. Right. Um, But, like, yeah, like, you (laughs) you needed contracts. It doesn't matter how successful anybody was previously or how professional they seemed. Um, Yeah, that's a significant amount of money they're dealing with. It it really is. Like, even even before, like, you could think that you're going to make $15, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you put a contract in place. Well, wait a minute. I don't don't have a contract to be on this podcast. Have you? (laughs) Is there any money being made? (laughs) No, but there's, you know, what if it ever becomes a $15 podcast? The second, the second week even consider monetization, we will have a contract. Okay. I guarantee it. Okay. I, I guarantee it. I do not work without contracts. Yeah. I, 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 I refuse because because shit like this happens. It doesn't matter like how good of friends you are with somebody like or how well you know them. Mm-hmm. You need a contract. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like you would be you'd be a prenup type of person. <laughs> I'm, that's that's a that's a difference. That's a different story. <laughs> like, no, like th- that, th- you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to see their Etsy. No, again. it's just, it's just um, like common sense business stuff, right? It's just covering your own, your own back. Yes. Um, so is the zine going to continue? Do we know if they have the uh, ability? So they end at the, <laughs> at the very last part of the TLDR, uh, we'll be holding a fundraiser to raise funds to ship out the remaining pre-orders. Right. Which is pretty rough. Yeah, it's it's a lot to ask of people, right? Especially since they've already purchased something mm-hmm. to be like, hey, we need some more money so you can actually get the thing again. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, it's understandable. And it seems like yeah. the only option, but it's also, it's it's tough ask. Yeah. Like, they're, they're trying to be, I think they're trying to be as transparent as possible. They're like... Hey, like we have the the prints they're they're being printed now, you know. We have this many pre-orders we need to ship eventually, but we just can't afford the postage. Yeah. Do you know how like um how frequent the uh the zine came out? Like how how often they publish? I think it was a one time because it says a Showtime anthology. So I think it was just like a one Oh. one issue. Okay. Um so this is like the this is this is it. This is the big release. Yeah, it seems like they did some other kind of um, maybe like pre-order bonuses or like sort of Kickstarter backer kind of things. Like on this Etsy page, somebody posted a review and there's like keychains and like stickers along with the it's it's more like a comic really than a zine looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that 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 takes. Um, sorry, I was reading somebody that canceled their order. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, that, that, that takes a lot more than just like getting something printed. Um, and it makes sense if you're raising that amount of money. Um, to, to offer like different incentives, you know, like the keychains and shit like that. It's, uh, I'm just curious cause they don't mention anything about that. So maybe that was like the early pre-orders that they were able to, uh, ship. And it's also interesting that on the Etsy page, the person that stole the money is still listed as like the seller. Mm-hmm. Although they said that they no longer have access to the accounts and everything. So right. I'm, I'm quite curious how that's going to shake out. I'm just like wondering how they were able to spend that much uh, on Genshin in, I'm assuming, a relatively short amount of time. Because wouldn't the platforms like flag that, you know? Um, some of the games have limits. I, I know that Diablo Immortal had, I think, I think it, it might have been like a like a four thousand grand or four thousand dollar limit mm-hmm. or something like daily. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, such a restriction. Um, and I think. Lost Ark has some kind of limit. I think it's like $10,000 daily limit. So it's like, 
They kind of do, but like, come on. Right. If you're if you're reaching a ten thousand dollar daily limit in a game, like you're you're either so wealthy it doesn't matter, or there's serious issues going on, mm-hmm. or both. You know. Uh. So yeah, like like at the end of the day, the games don't care because they're designed in a way to engineer spending. True. So it's whatever yeah. the um regulations will allow, if there are any. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like yep. um I've mentioned EA NHL on here a number of times. They have gotten progressively worse this year. Like that is a dead game right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's the cycle is pretty much over. Like there's a new one coming out in three months, and nobody's playing this one. And if you go and look at the uh, the in game store they're just putting out these ridiculous uh packs that cost like 60 dollars right um and they just keep getting like more expensive and more outrageous um it's just like it's like desperation it looks like Mm -hmm. you know um it's really sad yeah for like the people that are spending money on those because it's such a scam Mm -hmm. but yeah but uh yeah uh i i found that quite interesting when i saw it last night i just i just couldn't believe i was like Oh yeah, a scam art project. And then I started looking into it. Fuck, it's Persona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Genshin thing, I was like, oh my god, this is so perfect. Do you um did, did you play that at all still? No, I, I played it at launch just a little bit and I had fun with it. Um and then I tried again whenever it uh came to PS5 because I heard it ran really poorly on PS4. Oh yeah. Um I can speak to that. Yeah, and and so then whenever it came to PS5, they're like, hey, you can finally, like, has cross-save. Because I was playing on PC. I was like, oh, you know, I'll check that out, see if I can, you know, mess around a little bit. Um, But my account, like, didn't transfer over, even though it said it did. And so I was like, oh, well, screw that. And then I never went back to it. Right. Um, But I had fun with it, you know. Yeah, I I I I I remember I was impressed with the, um, the dialogue quite a bit. Yeah, it was surprising, uh, like how how well everything was made for a half mobile game. Yeah, yeah, it was very like the characterization was really cool, and a lot of it was like fleshed out, like the side quests and, and the world was just like beautiful, and mm-hmm. it, it makes a really good first impression. I don't know how it is long term, but it, it was it was really cool for the bit I played of it. Yeah, I, I made it as far as like the second area, mm-hmm. and I was exploring that a little bit, and that's where I fell off and didn't get back to it. Because, like, up to that point, I didn't feel the need to, like, get new characters or, you know, like, really, uh, like, upgrade things. I was just, like, exploring around, and that's what I was enjoying. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, like, people get really invested, like, where they they need one character, you know, and so they'll keep rolling until they get that character. Um so and I like I don't know if there's like higher tier bosses or whatever, because like that game is also gotcha for the characters and then for like the weapons too, mm-hmm. so, like, the higher tier weapons and shit. Um, so like they don't so. have because like in the I mostly play this, you know, sports games that are sort of work in a way that's like adjacent to gotcha games. Um, although the baseball game is like so, so, so much better than any of the other ones in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, does does Genshin have like a like a marketplace type thing where you can just like outright buy the characters and stuff that you want? Or is it simply you have to just keep keep rolling? When I played, it was only rolls. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah. And then there, of course, there would be like events where, you know, higher chance to get the character, you know, so people would save their gems and shit mm-hmm. for specific events to get a character. But even then, it's still chance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. Because um, there, there became like a whole creator economy for like 
you know, the rolling strats and what currencies you should save for when and, you know, what you should be doing daily and like all that kind of shit. And I was just like, I, I, that's it's so extreme because there's like, just like a whole whole category of play like game player that is a gotcha player. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people that will just, you know, try to completely play for free and, you know, like min max the resources and shit in those games. And it's just like that's just that's just great. Like, it's too much for me. Like, you need spreadsheets, you know, oh, even more spreadsheets than I have for Final Fantasy. <laughs> like, it's just it's just it's just way too much. Uh, and I just like exploring around that world and like doing the combat. Yeah, you just with, play like, it like elemental a, effects, like a typical RPG. Play, play it like a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's all I wanted out of it. And I got it for a while. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, the, the, the one gotcha game that I thought would get me, like, and, and if like, if this one didn't get me, none of them could, would be the SMT one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, because it had press turn combat, which was actually really good. And it had, you know, demon fusion and, uh, it even had dungeon crawling. Um, but it just kept layering system on system on system to where it was so complicated. It was more complicated than any of the mainline games Wow! that it was just like, this is, it's too much. It's too much. It's like, okay, well you need this 8 million currencies to fuse this and you need another currency to unlock skills. And then also your demons have equipment for some reason and you need to unlock the slots for the equipment. And then you also need to power up that equipment and you can fuse that equipment, and then you could fuse skills. It's like this is insane to me. Is it? Is it a mobile have, game? Yeah, I thought mobile games were supposed to be more streamlined. You'd think <laughs> this one was nuts. And so then you also had like regular summons, and you couldn't really make good demons that way. You would have to do the gotcha rolls to get good demons. Um, and so there were eight million different summoning currencies to get demons that way. There was hell buns and crystals and all kinds of shit. And then there would be event currencies. And it was just it was just way too much. I just wanted the press turn combat and dungeon crawling. Yeah. Like on a phone. And because because it came out like whenever there was such a lull in SMT stuff. This was before, uh, you know, a Nocturne remaster was announced. And whenever there was such a dead period in SMT five news. Um, and so it, it came out at such a good time to like for it to exist. And it was just so fucking complicated, uh, w- just way more complicated than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if that one couldn't get me, none of them can. Yeah, that's really the test there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, speaking of scams, uh, you have a no fucking thanks. I do. This is really quick. I just thought it was funny. Um, we haven't we haven't talked about NFT stuff in a while, but I saw this tweet mm-hmm. yesterday. A reporter, Kevin Collier, was on the scene at a uh, NFT conference in New York City. And so his tweet reads, I'm at the NFT NYC conference again in Times Square and Snoop walked by flanked by security. I grabbed his handler, said I'm a reporter and would love a few minutes. The guy said, actually, that's an impersonator. Legally, can't say it's him. And they hired him to drum up excitement. Um, and so if you look, what is that? if you look, if you look closely, because there's a photo, if you look closely at the name tag, uh, it's not Snoop Dogg, it's Dupe Snog. I thought that was what you like made up. No. <laughs> <laughs> they act they're actually calling him dupe snog dupe snog that's like what they would do in like an anime to like make a reference to snoop dog <laughs> yeah um it's just it feels it's like such a perfect um encapsulation what does that mean? It, it's such a what does that mean legally that they can't refer to him as snoop dog i i honestly don't know <laughs> He's not a cop. Right. Legally, you have to tell me if you're a cop. Like, what? You have to tell me if you're Snoop Dogg. Like, what, what does that mean? 
right? Um, I just thought oh, this was, yeah. So I guess if he was calling himself Snoop Dogg, the real Snoop Dogg would sue the shit out of him. That seems like the most likely reason, right? Okay. Because yeah. like it, it is plausible, obviously, because we've talked about how many celebrities have jumped on the uh, the NFT train, including Snoop Dogg, including Snoop Dogg himself. So, but this story is just like such a perfect example of like NFT culture in general, right? Like just like yeah, because it's like it, you know you you have this this fake currency that you just all all it is is just a hype and and people like selling it to you and and just like dressing it up as this amazing thing but behind all that it's just it's just it's fake f- it's fake money it's fucking nothing it's nothing it's dupe do snog do not pay attention do not pay attention to the dupe snog behind the curtain exactly it's <laughs> It's fucking nothing. Oh, dupe snog. I know. <laughs> well, thank you for, for thank you for providing this episode's title. Yeah. Um it's a good piece of cosplay. <laughs> I'll give it that. Like it definitely legal, like there was some genuine you not call me Snoop Dogg. Yeah, there was some genuine excitement, I think, around uh dupe's uh appe- sure. appearance. Um, sure. I mean it fooled the reporter. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he had a handler in security <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, do you think they were real security guards or were they like impersonating security guards? I mean, what's a real security guard? True. This is the guy. <laughs> But it's like, but the fact, yeah, but the fact that they have to hire, you know, eight dudes to walk to walk around the fake Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. including a PR person, right? My God, whose entire job is to explain that that is not Snoop Dogg, right? Like that is their that is the that is the public relations, public relations have, slash legal counsel. Of, yeah, just to have a stack of cards that just says no, this is not Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. That that would save him a lot of time. Jesus Christ, you got duped. Got got <laughs> snooped. <laughs> Get snogged. <laughs> Getting snogged at the, the NFT conference. Uh, we had this later, but speaking of uh, phony celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's favorite turf, uh, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Do you see this? I did. I was going to put it in the notes, but you beat me to it. Okay. JK Rowling uh, got pranked in a Zoom call. Uh, She thought that she was uh, on a Zoom call with uh, (laughs) Ukrainian President (laughs) Vladimir Zelensky. Well, you know, he's really got nothing going on. (laughs) He's got nothing going on. He's got time to spend an hour or three with uh, JK Rowling. (laughs) Just the. Just the 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 liberal brain rot to think that you're important enough, you know? Right. To be <laughs> I'm going to take time like, out of my day to talk to a uh, a bigot. To, yeah, just to, <laughs> that you're like important enough on the world stage to, you know, influence uh, a geopolitical climate. <laughs> just <laughs> Uh yeah, so um she was pranked by a uh Russian uh comedy duo <laughs> called <laughs> Vuvan and Lexus. Um, and apparently in the past, they've gotten Elton John, Prince Harry, Billie Eilish, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and George W. Bush. Whoa, what a resume. I mean, yeah. I mean, George W., that that was probably an easy one. But the rest of them. That's that's yeah, that's a gimme. Uh, yeah, that's a little hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, the author spokesperson called the hoax, quote, distasteful. Um 
And J.K. Rowling was approached to talk about her extensive charitable work in Ukraine, supporting children and families who have been affected by the current conflict in the region. <laughs> the video, which has been edited. Oh, yeah, the, the full version will make it a lot better. This is a distorted representation of the conversation. Uh, during the 12-minute increasingly awkward video, the pranksters remarked that Harry Potter's lightning bolt forehead scar looks like a Z, which the Russian military has put on its tanks during its invasion of Ukraine and has become a symbol of support for the war among Russians. Incredible. Rowling was, a Rowling was asked if she would change the symbol to Ukrainian trident. Uh, quote, I will look into that, she assured. It might be good for me to do something with that myself on social media because I think that will get into the newspapers. Yikes. Uh, the duo pressed Rowling on whether Dumbledore was really gay and asked who he slept with, noting that it was, quote, hopefully not with a transgender. <laughs> The duo told Rowling that they were writing Avada Kedavra, the killing curse in the Harry Potter franchise, on missiles. Uh, the Zelensky impersonator was apparently audio only during the, or I'm, yeah, impersonator, audio only during the call, so he didn't have any Polyjuice potion to pull off the ruse. But at one point, they turned on their webcam to introduce, quote, the Order of the Ukrainian Phoenix, a trio of, a trio wearing T-shirts that read, quote, only Putin in Russian. Uh, quote, we read Harry Potter to the soldiers in the battalion. Just don't read them passages about half-breeds as they are nationalists and don't like such people. I just, I feel like any one of these moments would have been, a you know, a sign that <laughs> things are not what uh -huh. they appear. Um, but I guess she's so far up her own, you know what. Yeah. Um, the prankster said, I want to clarify where you are sending the money that Lumos, which is her uh, charity organization, has collected. We want to buy a lot of weapons and missiles with your money to destroy Russian troops. I hope you are all for that. And Rowling replied, we'll look after the kids, but I really want Ukraine to have all the arms it needs. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> you know, just just regular neoliberal things. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun. Just it's just fun. be careful who you gun down. <laughs> just just make sure that you are taking taking care. Just like she's worth, I don't know, a billion at least, right? Probably. Maybe a couple. Mm -hmm. And she's worth nothing she in my eyes. Sure. But she couldn't have anybody properly vet whether or not she was on an actual Zoom call. Well, see, she has the same PR person as Dupe Snog. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tough sometimes. Like like it was such a big deal whenever Zelensky was like had the had the video call with the congressman, you know, and like, oh, it, it couldn't get leaked. And they were taking photos and they weren't supposed to take photos because it would give away his location. Remember that whole big thing? Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I guess now that he showed up at the Oscars, it's kind of like a free for all. He can just pop up whenever, wherever, ever he wants. I guess so. Yeah, it's it's, it's sort of like a, like a like a Tupac hologram. He can just kind of pop up, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> wherever he's needed. So I guess she's like, oh, yeah, of course he wants to talk to me. Of course he does. Why, why wouldn't why wouldn't he? Right. I'm, I'm doing so much with my Lumos Harry Potter charity. I'm really big on he Twitter. Wants to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's seen my tweets. Yes, that's a really Gosh. good job by uh, Volvo and Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, we did have some more author uh, stories to talk about. Yes. Um, and I'm, I am using author pretty lightly. Uh, and, and you'll see why in both these instances. Um, so there was an Australian author. Uh, and I want to make sure I get his name right. Uh, yeah, because it's John Hughes, but it's not the John Hughes you're thinking of. I figured um, not. Yeah, not the not the film director, uh, Australian, uh, quote unquote, author uh, John Hughes. Um, he had a uh, new novel called The Dogs, and it was nominated for, uh, quote, Australia's most prestigious literary prize. 
Uh, turns out that there are nearly 60 similarities and identical sentences found in uh, a comparison of his novel and the 27 English translation of Svetlana Alexievich's uh, nonfiction book, The Unwomanly Face of War, which was a uh, Nobel Prize winning novel, or I'm sorry, nonfiction uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not all. No, no. <laughs> That's not all. That was just what he took from uh, Alexievich's book. Christ. <laughs> um, where Where's the rest of it? Oh, shit. Because not only did he take from uh, the unwomanly face of war, he took from classic literature as well. Um, God damn, where did it go? So I feel like the first thing, if you're going to do something like this, you really have to go obscure. You can't you can't leech off of someone who won the Nobel Prize. Right. It's pretty it's pretty obvious. Um, uh, before before I find the other ones, uh, I, I want to get to his. Uh, it's not really an apology. Um, did he write that himself? And I, I'm I think he did because you can tell that it's pretty shit. OK, um, so this comes to, this all of us comes to, from The Guardian. Uh, and in a statement, he said that he started writing the dogs 15 years ago, a process that involved, quote, many recordings and transcripts uh, with his Ukrainian grandparents. Um, he told uh, many similar instances to those in Alexievich's book. Um, he had first read The Unwomanly Face of War when it came out in English in 2017 and used it to teach creative writing students. Um, I typed up the passages I wanted to use and have not returned to the book itself since. At some point soon after, I must have added them to the transcripts I'd made of interviews with my grandparents and over the years had come to think of them as my own. Oh, no. That's his reasoning for it. He just got them mixed up. He got them mixed up. Uh I could no longer unpack them, even if I had wanted to. Really? That is such really? a load of nonsense. Really? I'm not trying to justify myself here. I'm rather trying to account for how I could have used so directly parts of another writer's work without realizing it. I, without realizing I was doing so. I did not at any stage in writing intend to pass off Alexievich's work as my own. I was truly surprised when I saw the material included in the article. Uh, there's nothing more disturbing than discovering your creative process is not what you had assumed. I feel like this non-apology is more embarrassing than the act itself. Trying to pass it off as like you you mixed it up in your own. Like, come on. Nobody's going to believe yeah. that. He, he does say, I would like to apologize to Miss Alexievich and her translators for using their words without acknowledgement. So he at least does say some form of apology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they list uh, some of the uh, instances of plagiarism. Um, what's a what's an especially egregious one here? Um, okay, so from uh, the original Alexievich tr- uh, transcript, uh, somebody betrayed us. The Germans found out where the camp of our partisan unit was. Um, and then from his plagiarism, uh, someone betrayed us. The Germans found the camp. We were saved by the swamps. For days, we stood up to our necks, mud and water. Uh, and then because she also uh, used uh, for days, for weeks, we stood up to our necks in water. So it's like you fucking knew. Why would you have changed shit? Yeah, that's like a high school kid um, who is like trying to copy off of one of his, you know, one of their friends. And so you don't copy directly. You have to paraphrase, but you do a pretty, pretty poor job of it because it's so obvious. Yep. Um, this is another article. Literary experts find John Hughes plagiarism defense unconvincing. <laughs> you don't say um where was because uh, he he like stole from uh like some really obvious shit mm-hmm. where is it I, and then he said that he um he got he got really belligerent about it um so this is also from the guardian uh john hughes i am not a plagiarist and here's why um god where where is it uh oh yeah it was then revealed that other parts of the book were copied from classic novels including the great gatsby and anna karenina 
Um, <laughs> the very opposite of obscure. <laughs> Probably the most read, two of the most read novels of all time. You might as well have taken from the Bible. Uh, so yeah, after the original um, 60 or so uh, instances of plagiarism from uh, Alexievich's book, uh, he was uh, withdrawn from the Miles Franklin Literary Award uh, then the Guardian decided to cross-reference his book with some other stuff. Um, but uh, in his he has a defense here. Uh, I don't think I am a plagiarist more than any other writer who has been influenced by the greats who have come before them. Uh, this new material has led me to reflect on my process as a writer. I've always used the work of other writers in my own. It's a rare writer who doesn't. It's a question of degree. Uh, as T.S. Eliot wrote in The Sacred Wood, Immature poets imitate, mature poets steal, bad poets deface what they take, and good poets make it into something better or at least something different. Hey, you know what? He credited T.S. Eliot. So you have there to- There he did. You have to- There he did. <laughs> there he did. Oh, man. Now, let's take a look at some of these, because I think these are even more obvious than, <laughs> than what he stole from the Alexievich. Um, so uh, th this is from The Great Gatsby. Uh, he smiled understandingly, much more than understandingly. It was one of those rare smiles with the quality of eternal reassurance in it that you may come across four or five times in your life. It faced, or seemed to face, the whole eternal world for an instant and then concentrated on you with an irresistible prejudice in your favor. It understood you just so far as you wanted to be understood, believed in you as you would like to believe in yourself, and assured you that you it had precisely the impression of you that, at your best, you hoped to convey. And now this is his version. <laughs> She smiled at me then, one of those rare smiles with a quality of eternal reassurance in it that you might come across once in your life if you were lucky. It faced, or seemed to face, the whole eternal world for an instant and then concentrated on you with an irresistible prejudice in your favor. It understood you just so far as you wanted to be understood, believed in you as you would like to believe in yourself, and assured you that it had precisely an impression of you that, at your best self, you hoped to convey. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> come on, man. It's like uh, in, in the original, it says like four or five times, but he's like, oh, it's just once in your life. That's the only and good, difference I could see. And good poets make it into something better or at least something different. Really? Right. Really, dude? Right. You know, I remember all throughout school, the teachers would always say how plagiarism is like the worst crime you could commit as a student. Like you, you would face being expelled if you were caught plagiarizing. Yeah. Like it was like drilled into like into your Because core. you would. You would. You, you would genuinely in college. would. Yeah. So this, it is, this is fucking embarrassing. Mm -hmm. um, where's the, okay, here's the Tolstoy. Oh my God. In that brief glance, Vronsky had time to notice the restrained animation that played over her face and fluttered between her shining eyes and the barely noticeable smile that curved her red lips. It was as if a surplus of something so overflowed her being that it expressed itself beyond her will, now in the brightness of her glace, now in her smile. And this is his version. In that brief assessment, I had time to notice the restrained animation that played over her features and knew at once what drew my mother to her. It was as if some surplus overflowed her that it expressed itself beyond her will, now in the brightness of her glance, now in her smile. He's just using a thesaurus and butchering mm -hmm. the originals. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> it's so bad. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's wild that this like Frankenstein's monster of a book was able to win awards. Yeah, um... And then after this came out, uh, his publisher dumped him and his publisher was like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Uh, I, I, I trusted him and I got burned. 
Uh, yeah, that's shit. really got to affect the publisher's reputation. Yeah, because an editor should catch this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, but you also have to have trust in a writer that they're not going to try to pull this shit. Sure. But an editor should try to catch this. But this is really egregious. Aren't there like, um, I don't know, like algorithms that you can like run a text through and it will sort of like do like almost like an mm-hmm. image search, like a Google image search, like the equivalent of that, where it will like pick yeah. up if there's any plagiarism. Yeah. Um, that's like that's like what colleges use yeah to identify potential um plagiarism i'm assuming the publisher didn't do that or maybe that's just not like a common practice at that level you, like like you would you would go based on faith like you don't go in thinking that a, a writer that you're working with is ripping everything off right like you, you would only do that if you had a suspicion mm-hmm. you know um but yeah this is fucking bad <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad and just like like you can't you can't say that this is like and first of all like this completely destroys his earlier uh excuse of oh the oh the the clips the 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 quotes got mixed in with the other quotes oh uh no because you you tur- altered them. the soup right you altered them for one but like now now you're stealing shit from well-known books and you can't say that like this shit was in your head or some bullshit yeah you know because you changed specific words, thesaurus style. You got rid of like, Vronsky. <laughs> yeah. Like you changed glance to assessment, which is so fucking clunky. Oh, yeah. Like just just bad, just bad shit. Oh, my God. Like th- this is this is high school level, like summarizing thesaurus shit. Oh, 1000 percent. Just really embarrassing. Um, well, you know, the the great, the classic literature, it lives on, you know, it does. <laughs> it does. Like this is this is not th- like he tried to say, like, this is illusions, you know, and I'm an illusionist. And I make references to the classics. It's like, no, nah, dude, these are not references. You can make references. You can use very famous lines to evoke, uh, you know, a certain theming mm-hmm. that you would like to, you know, express. You don't take entire fucking paragraphs and change a couple nouns. That is not that is not the same fucking thing. No, this guy is <laughs> not at all. This guy's the dupe snog of the literary world. Yeah, like like if you use perchance to dream from Shakespeare, people know that you're alluding to Shakespeare. This is this is Yeah, this is just straight fakery. This is just bullshit. Holy shit. That's John Hughes. That's the bad John Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> Down in Australia. Um and then we got one more. Uh I also use author in quotes here. Author, uh quote unquote James Patterson. Um, uh, he's claiming that, uh, there's, uh, there's another form of racism that I guess we, uh, didn't know about before. Oh, um, breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just found it, um, at the ripe age of, I don't know how fucking old he is at the ripe age of old, um, found a new form of racism, uh, and it targets old white men. Oh no. Um, yeah, Ugh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, they just, they get it from all directions, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from the AV club who notes that, uh, James Patterson is worth, an estimated eight hundred million dollars. Um, <laughs> uh, he he in an interview with UK's uh, uh, the Times um, uh, said there's another form of racism against older white men in his line of work, which would be um, I, I struggle to say publishing. Um, he he's like a content mill. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a brand. Um, because the thing about James Patterson is, is that uh, he doesn't write his own books. He has ghostwriters, right? He has a gigantic team of ghostwriters pumping out books under the James Patterson like label. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a familiar name to put on a cover that sells. Yes, yes. Um, so like he's one of the most famous authors just because of that. He he's a brand. 
Um, so I, I struggle to say that his industry is publishing. Like, it's like, yes, okay, sure. Um, so, so there's a form of racism against older white men in publishing. Um, and he said, what's that all about? Uh, can you get a job? Yes. Is it harder? Yes. It's even harder for older writers. You don't meet many 52-year-old white males. In writing? That's like... In writing? I mean, just look at the entire history of books. And you're looking at what, like 95% of what has been published throughout <laughs> history probably fits under that demographic. Are you is kidding me? Year, is a 52-year-old white dude. Like, are you kidding me? That's insanity. You don't meet many of them. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe because you don't leave the house. Yeah, no, maybe. And I can't believe he's only, I, I can't believe he's only 52 based on this picture. I swear to God. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 are you telling me that paul rudd is is like the same age as james patterson there's no way but um yeah no Hold that's on. insane and i think my guess of of what he's complaining about here is 75 who the fuck's he trying to fool wait is he, is he trying 52. to pass himself off as 52 i don't know he said you don't meet many 52 year old white males well he doesn't exist who, as far as we who's he, who he trying to who's he trying to fool he's 75 yeah um <laughs> No, what he's probably trying to allude to here is just racism, right? Because he's he's looking at the publishing world that has made strides as far as representation. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, you look at you know year end lists, bestseller lists, book club picks. They're they're more diverse now than they have been in the past. Um, so he's probably looking at that and he's threatened by it, right? It's got to be as simple as that. But why? He's got a billion dollars. Well, it's never at the end of the. He's at the end. Never enough. It's never enough. God. Um, but yeah, it's hilarious to to point out the exact like demographic of what writers have been published all throughout history and be like, yeah, they're not represented enough. You, you think you think of a, of of like the 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 job of an author, and you you might like in your head just like think of a, an uncon- like unconsciously a blank slate of a white guy, like like that is like unfortunately the the mold. Yeah, like the mold is, is, is. is slowly but surely breaking. But yes, it very much is. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to get um, because uh, Jeff Vandermeer of uh, author of Annihilation and uh, the Bourne saga and a, a bunch of other things uh, had a response to this, um, but he tweets a lot. So I got to scroll back. I think he had a book come out this week. Uh, yeah, I'm a 53 year old white guy and I don't have any difficulty getting published or finding gigs. Um, well, no, Patterson was talking about 52 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to break you got to break that age gap. <laughs> and then you're good. Uh Patterson aside, there's also a general issue with writers making general pronouncements about the industry based on the state of their own careers, both positive and negative. They may have no relevance to reality. Also, remaining red and relevant over decades is really tough. Um it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're fine. Like it's just uh like I I'll, I'll bring it to myself, okay? Um I uh, struggled to break into mainstream publishing, uh, right? Like I had an internship, uh, at a, at a very tiny, uh, publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that like, okay, this will be my path. I got the experience and now I can break into a traditional publishing house. Um, and that didn't happen like at all. Like if I felt like I was stonewalled, I didn't know the right people or whatever. Right. And so I could, I could easily do a heel turn and say, ah, it's because I'm a white guy, but like, that's not the case. No, it's, it's more uh, who, you know, and like the connections you make and getting lucky and also, you know, having, uh, you know, the experience or whatever and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And so I just decided it's like, okay, like I get really indignant about shit. So I'm like, 
okay, fuck you, then I'll just do it on my own. Sure. And so I do. So like that's like the difference. So I could get really grumpy and say like just bizarre shit about how it's uh because it's becoming too diverse or something. And it, or like the thing that like our people are people are getting uh diversity scholarships in college and it's like, oh that's that's terrible for me because I'm white and it's reverse racism or some shit. It's like, nah, it's like, no, you've hit it. You've hit the nail on the head. It's these arguments come out of fear, right? It's like fear of losing the immense privileges that you've had for as long as you've been alive. Like that's where James Patterson is coming from. I think it's out of fear. Yeah. It's like, just, just enjoy your cash. Yeah. And enjoy the last, however many you got left however many years you got left mm-hmm. like you're not even writing anymore like what do you, what do you give a shit right <laughs> so and like if you think this is such a problem uh you can hire whoever you want to your writing team absolutely be the white change you want to see <laughs> in the world james patterson yeah go Christ. go get some some white people representation out in the, the publishing world have fun doing that <laughs> Oh, God. Um, we had a few, but you you do have uh, a mad watch here. Yes. Um, so did you want me to jump into that or did you want to talk about oh. your TikTok thing? Oh, right. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm probably going to delete my TikTok. Yeah, I could see that coming. Um, it weirds me out. I think it's spying on me um, and I don't know what they're doing with the data. And uh, the story from BuzzFeed News came out uh last week and it's about um some leaked uh tiktok meetings uh have proven that user data is like being accessed from china and that's sort of like the the big scary headline right Mm -hmm. um but in the piece itself what i'm gathering from it is that they have so much fucking data on users that they don't even know what is being done with it um and that's really fucking scary because that's exactly what happens with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw what happens with Facebook with Cambridge Analytica and um, the propaganda shit that came out with that and how it's accessed by governments. And uh, it's just bad fucking news. It's bad news. And it's it's not surprising in the slightest. Like, it's just sort of confirming a, a lot of what we already knew. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't trust it. Um, and I, I think, I think that it's, this is like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this fucking app, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's doing more than it even says that it's doing. Um, like we know that it's scanning everybody's face whenever they're using it. Uh, we, we know that it's training AI models with that facial data. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just bad news. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Um, yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, I guess for me, like, this is definitely not the way to look at it, but it's kind of the way I look at it. It's like on an individual standpoint, like for myself using the app right, and continuing to use the app, I'm looking at it, adding it like this is the most popular app in the world. And sure, they're gathering all this data, but they have data on like everybody. So like, what is it? What is my data really matter at that? Point? And I know that's like a twisted backwards logic, but uh, it's like, it's like, oh, if I found out that like some some really obscure like niche app on the app store was like um stealing all my data i'd delete that in a second but it's tiktok and like billions of people use it and i'm like somehow that makes me feel better <laughs> you know what that, i mean that's what scares me more it is scary i'm acknowledging that it's scary um but yeah and and what's scary to me is the fact that tiktok themselves like 
the employees don't understand their own scale mm -hmm. and don't understand the data that they have or where it's going or the implications of it, just like Facebook. So all you need is a single bad actor with a modicum of understanding to gain access to it and use it for whatever purposes they want. Just like what happened with Cambridge Analytica, just it's, it's, it's the same thing. This is Facebook all over again. Mm -hmm. um, it, like I, I was I was just watching um, a video about um, uh, like Web3 crypto shit. And how a lot of it is funded by uh, the the billionaire Peter Thiel. I want to get the, um, uh, the video is called Web 3.0, a libertarian dystopia by uh, MuniCat on YouTube. Um, I just watched this last night and Peter Thiel is like, he's, he's an evil billionaire, right? And uh, he's he's the owner of like that Palantir um, surveillance uh, data hoarding company. Mm -hmm. And they have military and CIA contracts and they, they work with the NYPD and ICE um, and they fund a ton of crypto projects and he funds, uh, Ethereum and all kinds of, uh, weird, creepy shit. Um, he, he, he was, uh, one of the early backers of Facebook. Um, and then he's like at, uh, CPAC ranting and raving, um, uh, about, uh, like how, uh, trans people are evil, like Ugh. just this past couple months. And so it's like, these are the people that want to control this data. Yeah. They did it with Facebook. Elon Musk wants to do it with Twitter. It's only a matter of time. And TikTok is even more sensitive now because it's it's fucking video data. It's AI data. Like like reading this piece, these people don't even know what they have on their hands. Mm -hmm. This thing is a fucking nuke of data and privacy invasion. Like ICE would fucking love the data that they have. Yeah. They would fucking love it. Yeah, when you I'm not I, Yeah, sorry. I'm not concerned about China having a backdoor cuz we all knew China had a backdoor to TikTok. I'm concerned about the U.S. having a backdoor to TikTok. I'm concerned about the feds having a backdoor to TikTok and using location data. That's what worries me. I'm fucking law enforcement. Yes, all the ways that law enforcement, law enforcement that just uh, was told that they don't have to give Miranda rights anymore. Right. All the ways that it can be used, um, they all lead towards just various means of oppression, right? Just continued yeah. oppression. So. And, it, and it's easy to say, it's like, well, you know, I'm clean. I don't do anything. But like, it's like, that's not the point. Right. It's like, it, I, 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 like me personally, I still feel like I'm feeding the beast. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I just feel gross. And it's it's like, yeah, okay, fine. I still have a Facebook page. You know, I, I'm still contributing to all this bullshit. But it's like, ah, it just feels gross. Yeah, there are very few things um, that don't make you feel gross when it comes to like interacting with, you know, large platforms because uh, they all have so mm -hmm. many problems. But yeah, this TikTok one is concerning to say the least. But the thing is like, you know, all that's well and fine, but then you miss out on, on something like this. <laughs> What the fuck is happening? That's a big city shit right there. <laughs> it's a big city shit. It's a guy uh, making out with a pigeon, a live pigeon on the subway in New York City. Was that a pit? I, I just, for whatever reason, I assumed he brought the bird from home. It looked like a pigeon. Um, very, I, very... Can I say it was a consenting pigeon? Because it, it really appeared to be. It was pecking him, but I don't know... For what purpose it was pecking him. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you'll be missing out on um, by leaving the platform. I think I'm good. Are, are you good? Yeah. <laughs> so does, does this mean I should stop showing TikToks on the on the show? Well, the, so here's the thing. So like, I know you're not going to stop using the app. Yeah. I'm not going to try to make you stop using the app. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so it's whatever. It's, this is this is just me being, you know, my crazy uh, paranoid anarchist. So <laughs> it, it's whatever. <laughs> like I like I'm not gonna start a crusade. I'm not gonna get a, a billion people to uninstall the app. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's like it's not gonna happen. I mean, I did want to jump off of one TikTok discourse to another one. It's something we talked about last week when Tori was on the show mm-hmm. um, about the music industry's uh, obsession with marketing artists through TikTok. Right. Um, and so I saw a, a video on TikTok, of course, uh, from Orla Gartland, who is a um, an independent musician. Really terrific, by the way. Highly recommend her work. But um, yeah, so she has this... It's a fairly lengthy video. It's like two minutes, um, but it felt worthwhile because I think a lot of it is in line with what Tori was saying last week. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is a good, you know, um, you know, it's a perspective straight from the source, right? Because she's dealing with this with her career. And um, of course, Tori being in marketing was too. Uh, So you kind of get like the another like insider perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought this was worth worth hearing. Job 
that any of us signed up for. Yeah, good point. Um, I guess this feels similar to, uh, and this will probably make me sound really old, but like the the era post Justin Bieber on YouTube, mm -hmm. where because like I guess he was sort of discovered on YouTube, right? Right, from what I understand. Um, yeah. and so then it was like, oh, so then YouTube could be this thing where you could become a gigantic international pop star, mm -hmm. and so that then that's what all the kids decided that they were going to do, right? Yeah. Um. So I guess it's kind of similar to that where it's like, oh, if you get a viral TikTok song, then you're set. It's like a shortcut I mean, to success. Yeah. Or, or, or like uh, a, a quick path to success, not necessarily a shortcut. Um, no, what this reminded me of, especially like talking about the mental health aspect of it, is Twitch streamers. And like mm -hmm. how across like all different platforms, there's like this race to just like create, 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 you know, because I, I see these Twitch streamers do these like ridiculous like marathon streams that could last days or weeks or even months. Months, you know mm -hmm. um and that has to have negative effects like people just aren't built to, to do that um yeah. so yeah it's just like with all the i guess all the competition that these social media platforms create it's just led people to feel the need to just constantly you know be putting stuff out there at the mm -hmm. at the cost of you know their health yeah and I don't know what she was referring to exactly with the nursery rhyme music thing, but I will have to say I have heard some of the worst music I've ever heard on TikTok. Yeah, no, I think what that was is just like a lot of the clips that go viral and like turn into like TikTok dances or turn into, I think more specifically, the ones that end up being trends, like specific trends, um, not dances, but stuff like like the non-dance trends. They're just like clips taken out of context of songs that don't really um, make sense outside of that specific context, right? Yeah, I started the last time I was on TikTok, I started getting... Uh, really bad pop punk music. Right. Like from, I guess, artists trying to, you know, spread their shit. Um, but I honestly thought it was like parody music at first. Uh, but then when I looked and realized that they were serious, I, I actually closed the app. Um, it was, it was like pop punk stuff, but with like lyrics about how like, oh, let's sit around and watch anime all day. And I was like, dudes dudes <laughs> it, it, it was it was so it was so cringy and i was like y y this is this, this is like a joke song right you're like being like let's sit around and wa watch anime and uh be sad oh yeah it was, be it was let's sit around and watch anime and be sad all day and i was like you're joke like you're, you're you're making fun right of like like this the whole tiktok thing like uh, no no they weren't man they're being genuine and i'm like oh my god it was like they were like trying to be like 2022 modern baseball, but without like the lyricism. Oof. So they were just kind of saying, yeah, let's sit around and watch anime and be sad. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. So so now we know the real reason you've left TikTok. It contributed. It contributed to it. <laughs> sure. I, I, I won't. I won't lie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I really don't like the, uh, the culture that sort of like, uh, made everybody compete with everybody else. And, uh, you know, that's always existed, but I feel like it's just amplified by these platforms. It's whenever, it's whenever you assign a number to, you know, a, a metric to literally everything, mm -hmm. you know, yep. I'm like, we're not immune. Like I see the, I see the downloads, you know, true. Like I feel better when a, when an episode gets more downloads than another one. Like, yep. It's like those video games where the number goes up. Yeah. Yeah. You want the number to go off. It's, it's, it's fucked up. I know. But, yeah. But, uh, switching gears is something more positive. Um, I saw this interview. This is also like another two minute video. I don't know what I'm doing here showing these like lengthy, <laughs> 
<laughs> like I'm just, I, I mean, talk about plagiarism. We're just stealing stuff from the internet to take up time. But no, this is, no, I thought this was great. This is uh, from TikTok user, um, Perrin Miroff, um, who was interviewing da- uh, David Cronenberg. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've talked in the past about some of these directors like Christopher Nolan, like Denny Villeneuve, who've really um, championed the theatrical experience um, mm-hmm. and, and at times sort of alienating some of their their fans, right? Because like for, for a number of reasons, like logistical for, you know, trying to push people to, into theaters during the height of COVID for, you know, it's just like a number of things that come come across as tone deaf with these directors um so that's why i thought this this interview with cronenberg was really refreshing we just listened to some of this Ooh, wait there we go interview you did where you spoke about the value of watching film on devices like an ipad and i i have that argument or i should say i have that conversation all the time so i appreciated that uh that stance on it and it was making me wonder when you're making crimes of the future are you picturing yourself making a movie for the big screen or has that idea completely evolved into something new for you even as far back as Shivers and Rabbit, my first two sort of commercial movies, I was always aware that more people would see it on a, on a, in te- on television than they would on a big screen, even then, because you have a release, it's in the theaters. After that, it's on television. And so I made sure that the, because in those days, the, the television screen was four by three, it was very square, but we were shooting more widescreen. So I made sure that those movies were framed in such a way that they could be shown on television and still not sort of deranged in terms of the framing and the composition. So for me, this is not a new thing. I mean, I assume that more people are gonna see Crimes of the Future on their, you know, Apple Watch than they are gonna see it in a big theater. That might Um, be too small. (laughs) The other thing is that you don't have to make, the thing is that the, the resolution and the color balance and everything of the devices these days compared with the old days of black and white television, for example, uh, it's so good that I don't have to make any concessions in terms of composition and so on. It works on a huge screen like the one in Cannes. That was probably the biggest screen we're ever going to see it on uh, with 24 or 2,500 people watching. Uh, it'll absolutely look great on your iPad. I have absolutely no doubt about that. And also on your phone. You said in the interview that when you have the iPad, it feel it makes it even more immersive because it's so close to your face. And I feel like you put it more eloquently than I ever have. But like, that's the feeling that I have, which is why I appreciate every format of screening. Sure. It's like it's like reading a book. You know, you have it here. It's right here. It fills your field of vision. What's mm-hmm. the problem? The resolution, if the resolution and the color and the sound are good, it's good. And to me, that is still counts as a cinematic experience. You know, I don't. I think that that's where cinema cinema is going. I think that uh, theaters will be there. Will be fewer of them. They'll be showing. There'll be niche sort of venues where the only specific things, maybe Marvel movies only. I'm not sure. Uh, will be shown there. And for the rest of us, it'll be watching uh, on on our own private screens. David, I was Yeah, I mean, I think he's spot on. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's just like refreshing to hear that from one of these, um, one of these like uh, big name directors, because you just that, you know, all the headline grabbing ones are from like Christopher Nolan, where you you hear the same argument over and over again. But it's like, this is the more logical and reasonable um, way to look at it, in my view. Because mm-hmm. like, like he said, you know, you have a theatrical release 
release. And sure, a lot of people are going to see that. But over the course of time, more people are going to watch it at home and the movie's going to live on at home. Like unless it's like some, you know, re-release, like some anniversary thing at like a an art house theater, you know, movies aren't going back to theaters after the release. Right. They're, the only way to watch well, them. Well, you know, Morbius, Morbius oh. is eternal. <laughs> oh, no, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Morbius. Well, Morbius is transcendent in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but like, yeah, he's he's making his movies for the majority of the people that will be watching him. And that's just smart. <laughs> you know, it's just smart. Yeah. Well, I think I think he's also just making the point like the, the devices are so good now, like every iPad and every iPhone, the pixel density, the resolution, they're all HDR, you know, like, yeah, chances are that somebody's like the best screen that they own is their phone or their iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I still think you probably shouldn't be watching on your phone, just like the size alone, you know, um, but like the iPads, the screen, you know, the, the, the pixel density, they're like up to like. Like 500, 600 PPI. Like, yeah, you're not going to see a pixel. Uh, the they have full HDR. You know, the Apple displays are very good. The only problem is the um, what's it called? The uh, screen separation. They still do that stupid shit. Sure. Where the um, there's that layer in between the uh, the glass and the screen, which I think is dumb as hell. It looks so bad. Um, but like the screen itself, the panel is great. It's it's it really will be the best screen that people have. Um, and like the TVs now, like. If you're into home theater and you have an OLED, you know, like <laughs> that's probably going to look better than a lot of projections that they have at a theater. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it just makes sense. And just like archival purposes, mm-hmm. like the, the, the films are going to exist in whatever media survives. Absolutely. You know, like look what happened to the Universal fire. Like uh, we lost how many films and, uh, you know, um, master recordings. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you know, just for backup purposes, like having physical media and uh digital copies and everything else like that's how it's going to exist and that's how it's going to be played back um so yeah i mean i think he's spot on and he's also right about like you know how movie theaters are going to survive like it's multiplexes there's going to be less of them yeah there's going to be less of them and there's they're going to play marvel movies like (laughs) it's true it's true it's it's going to happen like yeah it's like and the other point too it it sounds obvious but it's so true like there is something about the immersiveness of a theater because you have the the sounds that you really can't replicate at home and you have the the screen that i think i think that's a bigger deal than the screen it is honestly yeah um but like the point that if you're at a movie theater and you're sitting let's say like towards the back and you're like i don't know 60 feet away from the big screen right Mm -hmm. compared that 60 feet away from the big screen to having an iPad that's a foot away from you or six inches away from your face. Yeah. That's the same field of vision. Mm-hmm. It's taking up the same field of vision. You see the details pretty similarly. Like it's 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 not as big of a gap as the some of the filmmakers like to like to say or like to think. And let's say I, this probably doesn't happen as much anymore, but let's say you go to a crowded showing and you get like a shitty seat in the front row. Yeah. And you got to crane your neck. Yep. That's a worse experience than watching it at home. And not to mention the potential uh crowd interference with some, yeah. some bad you know some annoying people in the crowd which of course. i'm sure everybody's run into at some point yeah but um but back to like i think I, I think the sound is something that is harder to replicate like people will like they'll buy a nice tv you know if they can if they can afford it and splurge for it you know the super bowl sales or whatever 
but the sound is a lot more work to, you know, try to upgrade an experience, like you, getting like a surround sound system. You mean not everybody has a, a 25 foot long aux cable like I do that exactly. I plug my headphones into? <laughs> not a lot of people will run a 25 foot long optical cable from their computer to their receiver yeah and then run a bunch of speaker wire all over their room to get uh i don't even have full surround i have 5.0 yeah yeah i have 5.0 you know like people will just buy like a sound bar maybe but they'll just use the tv sound so i think the sound is actually a bigger nowadays with how good tvs are um like look how cheap 4k has gotten on a tv um yeah so i think sound is definitely the, the the bigger loss i agree uh from a theater which is it just remind not to make it all come back to christopher nolan but the fact that everybody was complaining that they couldn't understand anything that he's the characters so were saying. so bad at sound he's so bad but every time yeah he is but aside from that i do agree that sound is the bigger thing um but then again that sound doesn't mean much if there's like a uh, people talking next to you throughout the whole thing true so yeah. you know which is usually why like for movies like uh, the sound is like blown, blown out yep. at a theater. Or if you're at an art house that also plays blockbuster. So you're trying to watch, um, I don't know, think of the quietest film you could imagine. And then next door to that is uh, Marvel uh, Avengers Infinity War. And uh, yeah. that's bleeding over into the next room, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I just thought that was worth sharing. I, I like the uh, I like the outlook by Mr. Cronenberg. I can't wait to see Crimes of the Future. We have to cover that on the uh, on the show mm-hmm. when that comes out and i mean like and it shows that he's been working for like this long you know like he gets it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean look at how i mean in the pandemic age look at how many movies are not getting theatrical releases at all even now when the pandemic is quote-unquote over so many of the streamers are are buying them up out of festivals right and putting them directly on the platform so it's only going to be more normalized as time goes on yep but um anyway speaking of films uh there's this trend going around um that's like asking about like uh profound quotes from unlikely sources you know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah there's there's a surprising one here this is um is this the steve buscemi no this has nothing to do with steve buscemi as far as i know um but yeah this okay. is from this is tiktok user uh nico so Shizo. um here we go you gotta restart it because of fucking your favorite surprisingly deep quote from an unlikely source do you think god stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created that is from spy kids too <laughs> yeah that is said by steve Buscemi oh is it okay kids i too. didn't know where it came from so you, it's you very well know. Okay, well I didn't know it. Um, it's very well known, and I haven't seen Spy Kids two since I was probably two. So um, it's very well done. Okay, well, I, okay. I'm sorry, my <laughs> my TikTok choice wasn't as obscure. <laughs> I saw. Okay, so I saw uh, the other day that they're uh, like Netflix is rebooting uh, Spy Kids because of sure, course why the fuck they not? are. Uh, probably with the Stranger Things kids because why the fuck not? But they're um, not kids. Uh, spy teens. I don't give a fuck. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I love to look at the replies to tweets announcing things. And somebody was, uh, they're like, oh, it's going to be crap because it'll be woke. And I'm like, they're going to, they're going to wokeify spy kids. I mean, what was, was, what, what was, was spy kids some sort of edgy? Yeah, right. <laughs> like what, what was, what was. What was so like pushing the boundaries of, you know, what you could say and can't say about spy kids? I mean, maybe it was anti-religion. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, Spy Kids was like full of like Latino people. It was made by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Machetes in it. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> that just sees to be the, the goats. Again, I don't. Just, I don't just know why you look at any nothing. comments on Twitter or any, any social media. <laughs> No, because I love to try to find schizophrenia. It's really fun to me. You seek it out. Everybody yeah. seeks out their own kind, I guess. Um, <laughs> They're making spy kids woke. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Those millennials, I'll tell you. Um, but speaking of surprising uh, things, that that's a transition. Um, the Kid Leroy is a, 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 a rapper. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> who had a concert and had a special surprise guest at his concert. And uh, I thought I'd share the clip from this. This it is was, uh, Lucy Dacus. Uh, no. Dave Chappelle. No, no, nothing. Nothing oh. as sinister as that. Um, nothing transphobic about this special guest, as far as I understand. <laughs> yes, sir. This All right. First. Can we please keep the house lights on? This next guest is the fucking Wiggles. Fucking Wiggles. Keep it open, keep it open. Keep those pits open. Alright, ready? Drop the hits, let's go! I think we can <laughs> yeah um the fucking wiggles okay um how old is this rapper um i looked it up uh unsurprisingly 18 years old <laughs> okay okay all right okay yeah 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 so that track this that is tracks. this is a very gen z move uh this is, yeah, this is a very yeah. meme culture move um this 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 is this is like for millennials whenever the they brought out steve from blues clues totally yeah 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 this is <laughs> So I, I do kind of hate it for that reason, but at the same time, that is a catchy jam. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know it because I had a little brother mm-hmm. who's now 18. There you so. go. Yeah. <laughs> I know about all about the Wiggles. Uh, yeah. How long have the Jesus Wiggles been Christ. around though? Because those guys look like they're uh, they're up there in age. They were they were like in their middle ages whenever my brother was watching. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes me yeah. Want, now, they're, now they're all gray. It makes me want some fruit <laughs> salad, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Proper nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> when you think of who the target audience is, yeah. Um, the fucking Veggie Tales. Oh my god! Can I tell you how uh, <laughs> I held the Veggie Tales in such high regard as a child? Yeah, that was my shit. Um, truly fond memories of, of Veggie Tales. Uh, that's mm-hmm. like high cinema for 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 children. I think. Yeah, even though it's incredibly, incredibly Christian. Oh shit! Is it? 
Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? They did like adaptations of Bible stories. Oh, man. Well, see, here's the thing about my recollection of the Veggie Tales is that it's coming from my memory of when I was, you know, five. Yeah. So I'm just going to hold on to that mm-hmm. and I'm not going to look into it too hard. Um, I do. I do believe you. <laughs> Yeah, they dress up like Moses and shit. Mm. There was the whole song. The, the broccoli kid would sing about God, about how God didn't want her to steal from the supermarket. Well, you know, Spy Kids was singing about God, too. So. In a way, yeah. Just they were. OK, VeggieTales was putting the fear of God in you, but so was Steve Buscemi, but yeah. kind of for different reasons. I really like the um the cucumber. Yeah. Was it Larry? Sure. I think it was Larry, right? Was there a tomato? There was a tomato. Yeah. Wait, isn't tomato a, a fruit? I don't think they got into the technicality. Well, I guess it's, that, it's, it's sort kind of, of like a found family thing. Right? It's, it's sort of like a you know does a tomato begin at conception kind of thing and they don't really want to get into that <laughs> but yeah they had yeah they had all their whole song about how god would kill Why? the boogeyman how, how could you guys help me where's the I song mean, if I was- oh god is bigger than the boogeyman and- yeah they, they i just talked about told god you i was going to preserve my five-year-old memory <laughs> they talked about god all i don't want to hear the real clips Oh, yeah. And the song about how uh, the one dude wanted God to punish somebody and they were like, no, God wouldn't do that just because you tell him to. And he'll punish them if they're bad, but not if you tell God to punish somebody. Yeah, they got weird. Was that like tales? God made you special. God wants me to forgive them. Oh, huh. (laughs) But the broccoli, though. Yeah, the broccoli, the little kid. That's who's singing. Well, thanks for ruining my childhood. I can't believe you didn't remember that they were incredibly Christian. Again, I was, I think, preschool at that point. That, so I, I wasn't picking up on religious <laughs> themes. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. It wasn't themes. It was just... <laughs> I wasn't yet studying any uh, storytelling uh, structure or references. Um, we're going to move on. I just, I do want to end, I do want to end, I do wanna end uh, this segment. Um, I just want to end it, period, but I also have... Uh, <laughs> I want to end on a positive note here. Uh, there's a, a, a trend on TikTok. I'm sure everybody's seen it. It's like, uh, what is uh, what scams have been normalized in society? I mean, you could make a very large list of that. But this one, uh-huh. uh, this one really uh, is is quite uh, bleak. I'm so normalized that we don't even realize it's a scam anymore. This is kind of outside my normal content, but it's been on my mind and I want to talk about it. Did you know that when you die, your body's going to be pumped full of harmful chemicals that are terrible for the environment? Not only that, but you get to use precious resources to get buried in a fancy casket that will cost you more money than multiple months of rent. On top of that, you're going to be encased in cement so that your decaying body can in no way give back to the environment around you. Every year, over 800,000 gallons of embalming fluid are put below ground, often leaching into the surrounding environment and having negative impacts. It doesn't have to be this way. There are much more natural burial options available. Okay, two things. Yes. By the way, that's um, TikTok user at Maya Kind of Mischief, by the way, just to, just to credit. Two things. Okay, sure. And I'm not a mortician. Uh-huh. So let's bear that in mind. Um, but, uh, she contradicted herself because if you are encased in concrete, so you cannot give back to the environment through your body, then the chemicals would not seep into the environment. Well, how do you know that the chemicals can't make it through, but maybe the, um, no, no point two, uh, no, you're not always in concrete. I didn't know you were going to be uh, defending this uh, this take here. I just, or not, I just not the take, but you were going to be... I just uh, think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she contradicted herself. I don't know. 
You don't believe everything you hear on TikTok? That's what I do. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, I mean, yeah, if you think it's just, it's just we- like, it is weird that you die and you have to pay thousands of dollars just because you died. Oh, sure. Yeah. That part. Yeah. That part's the scam. I, I, you know, it can't be environmentally good, though, to preserve the, the bodies. Right. Yeah. But like you got to pay for the big old fancy casket and, mm-hmm. you know, you got to rent out a room so people can look at you. Yep. Have some refreshments inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounded like she knew what she was talking about. I just I, I thought it because you put on that TikTok voice, yeah. you put on the TikTok voice God damn and it. you sound like you know what you're talking about. I don't know. I still I it's, it sounds correct to me. I mean, I do understand the contradiction there. Like there is that doesn't quite add up there. Um, but like it can't be great preserving bodies that could otherwise, and this is very, uh, kind of like, uh, morbid. I understand that, you know, the subject matter, but like, you know, a body could give back to the environment if it wasn't preserved in that, in that way. Now it's just taking up space. Yeah. I mean, your body's going to decay anyway, even with that shit. Okay. It just slows it. Yeah. Eventually you will be bones. Mm, that's a pretty good episode title. If we didn't already have a uh, dupe snog. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> I don't know. And like, yeah, formaldehyde is formaldehyde is bad. Sure. There you go. That that was the point. That wasn't the point. But yeah, formaldehyde is a noxious chemical that weirdos also use to get high. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're in concrete, it can't uh, get out. Yeah. Fair point. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, Apologies for last week's episode being late, but I had a lot going on with uh, Tori in town and getting the edit and having a different uh, mic set up. So... Uh, took a little longer than uh, I thought originally, but um, yeah, so thanks for the patience. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Denandro. Check out the Facebook at Facebook.com slash TV. Push.tv slash TV. July is coming up. We're going to be doing some live versions of the show in July. So if you want to follow early so you know when we're live, check that out. So in that case, you could have you could have actually seen the guy on the subway making out with the pigeons. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, do you YouTube search for Dead Road TV for full episodes and clips. And you can email us at video at denaro.co and tell us if you're illegally TikTok off your phone or if I'm a crazy person. Um, and I still got to do the Discord server thing. And when I do, that'll be also in the episode description. Also, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, no, they're not. Because if there's no Discord server, then it won't be in this No, I meant it is. people deleting their TikTok and you being a crazy person. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. They could, they could inform me regardless whether or not I'm crazy. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I think so. Good show. All right. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.